Good morning. Good morning. We've got three voices, if you haven't noticed. We have a guest for our 10th episode. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's Welcome. very exciting. Am I your first guest? You are. No pressure. Do you want to introduce yourself? Oh yeah, is that how it works? This is Sophia. <laughs> Who are you? I am um, a student at UCL. I'm also from Switzerland. And I mm -hmm. met Maya and Lisa through my good friend Yal. Um, who also does law with me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I... You, we won't be hearing any Swissifications or Germanifications. No, but you might be hearing some French, maybe. Yeah, new language added. Exactly. But yes, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, well, it's the 10th episode. There's no special topic, but a special person. Yeah. Um... And I think we should address the little facelift that we have to the podcast. I don't know if you can hear, but we have a much better microphone. Uh -huh. Well, the, the previous one was an iPhone, so... Well, now we're sounding better. And before we go into past episodes, what is the topic for this one? Well, we wanted to talk about... We've been touching on it a lot before, but like gender expression and how you feel like your own gender or like... What does your gender even mean? Gender How do you perform it? Is gender a performance or like something that you express from within? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a difference there. And it's such a, like the topics everywhere right now. So it's really hard to, I, I feel like I, I think about it every day kind of. Yeah, I actually remember one, one discussion we had, all three of us. I don't remember when it was. But you two just cut your hair. Mm -hmm. This, this I we have touched on before in the podcast in the choice feminism one. Mm. But basically, you and I were talking about how from the day that we cut our hair, it was like this, like turning the switch, basically, of mm. like the male gaze, like yeah. people on the streets. A hundred percent. And you know what I feel? But I like, like I said, the day I cut my hair, I think I saw you guys, or like the day after. Yeah, and I remember That's saying true. things, being like, oh, like these things that I felt like I noticed um but I don't know how much like when you're in your mind about something you feel like certain people are watching you, you feel like certain people aren't mm. watching you um and then you make you come up with these like statements afterwards being like oh because I cut my hair people look at me differently or people aren't looking at me when it's like maybe you're just so much in your head about it so I can't say objectively how much like how much really shaving my head has changed mm. but I do feel like I got less male attention and now that my hair is growing back, I don't know, it's maybe I put myself in situations where now I'm, like, surrounded by more men. But, like, for example, like, this week, like, Monday through Wednesday, I was doing a lot of stints. Um, and a lot of them were, like, male-dominated environments. And I felt like I was, like, being not, not in, a, like, a awful, like, hit-on way, but, like, definitely... You're being like, seen. Uh, like, yeah, and then they would, you know... Feel your gaze. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when you started and you were like, I don't know if it's just your, like, building a narrative around gender. But yeah. It's, it, that's such an interesting thing that we, it's one of these things that we hook our, like, self-narratives around, right? Yeah. Not only our self-perception, but also how we tell the story of our lives. Or, like, it's always present. It's always such mm. a huge part of... Your gender. Yeah, like yeah. your life, like your experience. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a really good example because, again, I feel like this might be the main um, conversation we're going to have, but is it, so you cut your hair, do you actually internally feel less female, whatever that means, or is it just 
that other people don't give you the feeling of being female? Is it that mm. other people don't perceive you yeah. like men? Yeah. If they don't look at you in the street, is that the yeah. cause for you feeling less female? Lisa, do you want to go first? Or... Yeah, so when I like notice it most, when I feel like I need to um, like weigh up my femininity, it's always when I'm alone really because that's when I see myself like if I'm looking in the mirror I'm like like, I'm like doing my makeup Mm. or brushing my teeth or something that's when I'll feel like I need to weigh up for it that I need to make myself more female but just because I'm in physical isolation from men or for Mm. other people I think that's still like the the basis of it yeah it's still in your head yeah Yeah. like if people didn't tell me that having less hair is on your head (laughs) Uh, it's a female thing then I wouldn't feel that way about myself yeah I think yeah I think it's so difficult to see yourself separate from the way other people perceive you because I remember yeah. before shaving my head I like watched a YouTube video of someone being like oh like what shaving your head is like like pros and cons mm-hmm. and then they were saying like you will be going on Instagram and seeing girls with like this long hair and like miss your long hair and I was like whatever yeah. like at that time I wanted to shave my head as well because I was like I'm so sick of the male gaze I'm so sick of like how femininity is tied with long hair and I want to like challenge myself to feel feminine without the hair and like coming here today I was thinking about it when I was like on the toilet but I was like how much have I like how far have I gone because now I'm growing my hair back I was like I've not overcome this challenge. Like, I've not managed to feel actually so feminine that I'm, like, completely separated from from everyone else's, like, perception of me. And, like, I don't care, whatever. And I do still think that, like, it's so deeply ingrained in me that I'm, like, like, oh, I'm going back to having long hair. I'm finally going to be, like, perceived as... A woman again. Yeah, perceived as, like, easy. Just so easy. I won't have to, like, overcompensate to prove that I'm feminine. I don't know how to, like... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tiring, but it annoys me. But then I'm also like, yeah, I remember saying this to you guys, and I still think it's like, am I growing my hair out because I prefer myself with long hair? Am I growing my hair out because it's just easier that way to be accepted in society and to just look conventionally like attractive to men? And it's impossible to know, and it's such a for me, it's such a waste of energy to Mm. have this constant discussion in my mind of Mm -hmm. like, oh no, you can't give in. Yeah. At the same time. I just feel more comfortable going yeah, on the street yeah. looking conventionally female, I yeah. guess, because it's just easier. Yeah. yeah, There's this conflict, I think, this opposition that we are taught that femininity is something on the inside, that you are a woman. You, yeah. it's, it's who you are. It's like something that comes from within. But then when we change our outside, it's always about like showing other people who we are in the inside. And it's always this like communication. Almost. Mm. We always um, talk about femininity in terms of like the physical. Mm. And I guess that's the only way we can talk about it because it, it's how we show up in the world. How do we separate feeling like a woman and being a woman? Like mm. there's a difference between you yourself in isolation feeling like a woman yeah. and in a social setting feeling like a woman. Well, I guess what we have to get into then is, is there such a thing as being a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Is the term woman just a feeling because it is constructed from society or is yeah. there this inner I wonder female being? That. Because yeah. once my YouTube recommendations, there was someone making like a video essay about the whole idea of like divine femininity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard that term before. Yeah. But it's like, 
you've got this whole movement of like semi-beauty gurus type of like women like women coaching type like spirituality ritual, a lot of like, like Bali coaching and women yoga, yeah. yeah and they're like all oh, connect to your divine feminine and this person was criticizing that because he was saying like a lot of them actually are black women teaching other black women to um, express your divine feminine but then a lot of the 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 tips that they were giving to like develop the inner divine feminine were quite like submissive and always relating back to men and like she was saying like it actually was just um talking about like how women can then hate with male gaze yeah because that's a really important point like historically like the woman has always been the counterpart to men it's always yeah the presence of a man like you're a woman yeah yeah i feel like the few instances where i do feel like a woman is in contrast to a man, where I'm really aware of my gender, mm. of my constructed gender, yeah. whatever. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you, do you have like these key points in your childhood growing up where you first realized, I don't know, I don't remember when I first realized I'm a, I'm a girl, mm. but do you remember instances where you were hyper aware? Did you know you were a girl? I think this is very hard because the memories that we that we form it's because you're the main character of your memories mm. or like that you always mm. it's always from your perspective obviously mm. it's more directed outwards mm. but i know i i have a memory that i can that i can think of mm-hmm. um so my my best friends when i was like a child like a small child um were three boys i remember it being a thing that they were boys and i was a girl mm. and that i was like a bit i think my mom really liked that I had three boy best friends. It was like a stamp of like approval that I was like a modern child. I remember one instance particularly where I felt the consequences of being a girl because I was playing with one of the the, the boys and we were dressing up as princesses and he loved dressing up as prin- like as a princess and there was some question of like going out into the kitchen or like going outside or something. He's like oh no, but you can't tell anyone that we dress up as princesses because they will think I'm so weird. Mm. And I remember then it, it kind of clicking for me that it wouldn't be weird if I went out as a princess. But, but for him, it's a whole different experience. How old were you? I don't know, maybe three or four. And you're already like, the fact that he already had that in his child brain. To yeah. Like, oh, if I do this, that yeah. is perceived wrong. Mm. Yeah. Um, And I have to go and tell someone to make sure not to tell yeah. someone. I actually looked into this. Um, as a child, at the age of two or three, that's when you first realise your gender. Before that, you're not aware of it. And at the age of five, I think, um, you try, you start and categorise other people. And you try and understand what it means to be a girl or a boy and what you can do and what you can't. And... I want to add to that as well. So you're right in what you're saying. It's actually a bit earlier that you categorize other other people okay. as well. That you label people. Oh, that's a boy. That's a girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but from around three to six is when you start self socializing. So you not only it's not only other people telling you, oh, girls wear princess dresses. It's also you seeking out norms because mm-hmm. you know you belong to this group and you try to actively um confirm that belonging mm. by behaving in a way that mm. other people of that like group as well yeah uh, behave in so it, yeah. we feel like we always talk about gender uh 
expression in terms of like oh the parents are like choosing for the child to be in a certain way but it's actually also the children it's like a survival mechanism Mm. like if you we go way back that you need to show other people and show yourself to be safe actually that you are part of that group yeah and it's i guess it's just a question of how that plays out in modern life or like okay how can we go from that to having a more like accepting adult life mm-hmm. maybe mm. or accepting yeah. environment for the children so it yeah. doesn't have to be that like black and white mm. yeah so interesting i think your example is really interesting because it really shows that there's nothing internal there or there wasn't it wasn't an internal feeling it was other people's reactions to you dressing up as a mm. as a princess that made yeah. you realize you were your gender Mm. But yeah, then at the same time, I wonder for people who do then um, go through surgery to transition, there must be a difference between like feeling like you can express your gender in a certain way and then yeah. wanting to actually change yeah. your sex. Yeah. Because you could be like boring man, and then if you're like, oh, like, fuck this, I don't want to just wear whatever a man is supposed to mm-hmm. wear. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wear whatever I want. And you're expressing your gender in a certain way, but then to go to the point of like going through a surgical procedure to change your gender, that makes sense. Right? It's like, exactly yeah, there's a difference between the identification mm-hmm. and the expression because you can yeah. feel like a man and want to dress like a Yeah, because for me, I've never, this is what I was saying before we started recording, is that I don't think I've ever had a moment where I questioned it. Mm-hmm. But I never had a moment where it's like, oh, I feel like a woman. That was independent of like under the male gaze. Yeah. But like by yeah. myself, I've never been like, well, I feel feminine i feel womanly as a like identity thing yeah um if anything i always felt too masculine but once again under this sort of societal gate that i was like not dressing feminine enough growing up or that i preferred to like wear men's clothing yeah um i preferred to wear baggy clothing to the point that like when i was like 15 or 16 and i was like shopping with a friend or something and I picked out something that was, like, skin tight. And that person was like, oh, you wouldn't wear this. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, you never wear anything. That's like, I've never, like, you only wear baggy clothing. And I think I, I really internalized that badly where somehow it was like, oh, wow, like, I'm perceived in a way that is not feminine enough or I'm perceived in a way that's, like, only wearing baggy clothing yeah. and that I'm not an object of desire to other mm-hmm. people because I'm not showing my body and I don't mm-hmm. have this, like, feminine enough body. And, Yeah. That's so interesting in relation to what you said before about wanting to grow your hair out again. Because now you have this, we all have this awareness of femininity and wanting to like, to like balance it out. Mm. But you say it as if it was like a surprise to you that you Mm. were portrayed as not feminine, you know? Yeah. That it's this like development of the understanding of what it means or like what it means to perform. Yeah, I think I had the insecurity sometimes looking around me that also just in terms of my body shape, like I was a lot, I grew up a lot faster than my other friends and I always tend to have like, my friends were like small and skinny Mm -hmm. and I was just like, had a growth spurt really early on. And so I always had this like insecurity that like, I was talking about yesterday with some friends that I felt growing up that I was never allowed to have a crush because it was embarrassing for me or shameful for me um, to like someone who was like, because all the boys were shorter, uh, or just to, <laughs> to like anyone because I was so much like more imposing in body frame. And so I had such shame surrounding my body. But anyway, we're, I'm trying to go back to my 
previous thought yeah I think I always had that insecurity about my body but then that was like confirmed by someone else being like oh but no Sophia you would never wear this and I was like oh my gosh like is that a general thing like people I go to school with do they just see me as someone who just wears baggy clothing and then I almost like then when I was going through my like very like seeking male validation phase like a couple years later then I was like specifically choosing my outfits in a way that looked more feminine than yeah I kind of have a similar experience with that I think I so my parents tried to well I was always wearing boys clothes I was I hate the word tomboy but I guess I mean it explains it and I was really happy with that like I I used to hang out with boys a lot and I got interested in playing soccer um so I played soccer in a in an all boys team um I started when I was seven maybe until I was 15 so I realized I was perceived as different by those boys throughout my career in that team mm. basically mm. because well I was growing boobs I got my period and I realized these boys just weren't mm. and it was just in comparison to the people around me that I realized I was so different and that I had to kind of and that's the first instance where I was like okay I need to take on this role because that's how people perceive me and I am getting undressed in a different changing room I am just different mm-hmm. and that's the first instance where I was really really aware of being a girl but again I didn't feel that way really before yeah I always feel like if we see it as a scale between or like a spectrum between femininity and and masculinity that every person has like a sweet spot that they've like developed for themselves somewhere on the spectrum like I I always felt like I was more on the masculine side and I felt like I remember before I cut my hair that I if I were to wear too much mascara I was always wearing my mom's old mascara that that was like dried out because I didn't want it to have too much on because I had mm. if I had too much mascara I felt like a doll and I felt really like not my myself mm. Mm. Uh, but then when I cut my hair I was bu- I bought like a proper mascara so that I could have long long like lashes because that like pushed me further like to my point because I was at that point I was like too far to the masculine side when I cut mm. my hair there's an ideal point on the spectrum for everyone because it, it isn't a binary if we put all human beings on that spectrum we obviously like it makes sense that we we have to we try and navigate that mm. and I think it's not a bad thing for you to want to find that spot yeah I agree I see what you mean because I was also when I had longer hair I didn't feel like I needed to wear makeup as much or like focus on my face as much or like go out with jewelry on mm. um not be able to just go out just with my face and my hair mm. um and not have anything to kind of just like rebalance and recalibrate mm. but what am i calibrating towards like i don't know is it i'm doing it for myself or am i doing it yeah. for others but it's so difficult because it's true like what you were saying about when you're by yourself you feel like you need to appear more feminine in front of the mirror yeah and then, yeah, and then you feel better about yourself or if you're yeah. not if you don't feel like you're looking good, that you have a crisis, like I'll have a crisis. I'm like, I look so gross. Yeah. Um, 
today or whatever and it's like no one else is around me but like how much am I what am I looking at yeah, I but the thing is like if I didn't look in the mirror I wouldn't feel that way yeah. so it is about what other people would see me as yeah, like yeah, if the exactly. mirror wasn't there yeah. I wouldn't even That's so true. feel like less of a girl yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't see myself 100%. because the yeah. mirror is just a reflection of other people's gaze yeah exactly yeah. it's it's That's so true yeah I mean it's it's a, such a trivial point but it is fundamentally about seeing yourself as other people would see you yeah yeah and so maybe we should have an experiment where we don't look in a mirror for like a month and then just see what happens yeah. with our expression that'd be quite exciting yeah i think it's, it's always this hyper focus on like how other people perceive you what i wanted to address because we, we touched on it but i think there's an immense privilege in us just stating that we never felt like a woman growing up that it was always someone else's yeah. perception of us that yeah. like made us realize what we are really because as you said transgender people non-binary people mm. they do feel like there is a difference between how they're perceived and how they feel mm. so just us saying yeah that oh we feel genderless yeah exactly yeah um it's and it's these other people it. putting it yeah. on us yeah just really shows how how much privilege there is in in being cisgender I guess yeah Yeah, and it also shows that it's not just other people's perceptions it's also it's also something that is within you because otherwise you know gender identification wouldn't be exactly like that exactly Mm -hmm. the fact that we didn't struggle with that that some people do have that internal conflict or feel something is like intrinsically not right within themselves shows that like if you if you have never put thought to it then you're quite comfortable then yeah with the way you are isn't it funny how much you can say about this like so many of these things are so like base level yeah and it goes into every single aspect of your life (laughs) yeah just the whole thing with the the head shaving like how different you feel and then you just go back to resuming normal life yeah, as it's as if it, so yeah, it's as if it's like this one year sabbatical where I was like testing out the waters of like oh, what is it like to no, look different like, to others yeah. and have all these labels attached to you when you don't have mm-hmm. this hair mm-hmm. and almost this thing of like having to assume that position of of being someone who has all these labels attached to you. That people yeah. assume things when they see you without the hair and you have a buzz cut or you have short hair. Yeah. Um in a way that they just wouldn't assume if you were just you just had long hair. Yeah. Um the agony of being a social creature. Yeah. And just having Terrible. to like, bear the weight of people's assumptions. Yeah. And yeah. people's like perceptions of you. And the ideal point would be to get to be like, no, I love this look so much and I feel so much like myself that I really don't care what everyone wants to like label me as but But, you know I wonder whether that whether you still identity is just made up of how other people perceive you like Mm. is that even possible that spot you're talking about the not caring about other people's perception like do you have a self-perception without other people's perception of you can you build that it feels like everyone else has but then I just feel like I've always but I don't know if you guys feel the same way then well, you say like, oh, I love this look. When, but when you say look, that implies someone looking, mm, yeah. you know? Like there's, it, the other is always present. Yeah. We always talk about this. We always come to the world. Actually, I always bring this up in every single episode now that I think of it. Um, That humans aren't individuals. Like, mm-hmm. well, they are, but like it's so non-human to not be social. Yeah. Like we're inherently social creatures. Yeah. So yeah. we that's why it's so hard for us to even imagine 
ourself like an identity without another mm-hmm. yeah. and without all of these uh, categories and yeah because it's literally how we navigate the world yeah. the social world is like the most important thing we have to yeah. understand anything is that so. thing if you're always seeking acceptance from the rest of the group yeah that's survival yeah. instincts yeah it is it's so literally like the most important thing to survive yeah. is to have group belonging but then also really depends on the group that you're in because i think you were also telling me and i feel the same way that when we go home to like a smaller country with a smaller group of people that always like know you and yeah. that they're less i don't know when you're in london your community is a lot more restricted but more accepting i feel mm. and then everyone else just kind of just doesn't care and you see a lot of other people who are who are expressing their individualism in a way that just like people just don't really care whereas if you're in like a group that that's true that claims just, that they know you then yeah and uh just the presence like the the amount of people on the street yeah makes such a big difference to mm-hmm. me yeah that your expression of whatever it doesn't need to be gender even it could be your like your style or something it's so much more forgiving when there's more people because yeah. i guess you can feel connections to more people or you yeah. feel like people don't see you as much yeah yeah you which is kind of paradox because there's more people but there's less people who actually see you and who actually make a judgment about you yeah you're like part because of the they know you instead yeah. of this person that everyone knows you like they, yeah. they know your name yeah that's actually really weird would you feel like you feel more yourself in london because there's more people around because i would say that I feel more at ease with myself in London in this very individualistic, very anonymous world, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Because wouldn't you feel more like yourself surrounded by people, like in a smaller town surrounded by yeah. people you know? I really agree with you. And it's so weird because I I feel more look more like myself here, but shouldn't I feel more like myself where that self was made? You know, mm-hmm. like everything that I am is rooted in the town I am from. Mm. Like, I've lived in the same town yeah. for my whole childhood. Mm. Shouldn't that feel like me? Like, isn't that mm. just what makes me? And where people yeah. conform, it confirm that yeah. you, yeah. you know? Like, the concept of self is, is something that, like, deserves to be explored. When like, I look at being 17 as, like, that was the ultimate expression of myself, mm. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Like, I was so focused every day on, like, wearing the right clothing to be perceived a certain way. And I had to have exactly the right balance between, like... Because I always just preferred wearing, like, thrifted baggy clothing. But then I had to find the right sweet balance between, like, actually, like, wearing, like, tight clothing mm-hmm. um, on the top and then balance it out with, like, baggy trousers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then wearing, like, a baggy jacket. But at the same time, you can kind of see... The perfect combination those, of I have shapes, yeah. you know. You yeah. can see that I have boobs. You can see that I'm actually a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wear, like, right jewellery and then wear, like, a little bit of lipstick but like, not too much. So I'm not too feminine, da, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's so much this thing of, like, exactly trying to balance out because you're so aware of like other people's gaze of you and wanting to be perceived a certain way and so you're expressing yourself but like how much is it really coming from a true place of self and I still think when I go home I'm still more like really thinking about what I'm going to wear when I leave the house Mm -hmm. a lot more than like when I'm here um and I really just don't put that much of a thought to it and I could really wear like whatever the fuck I want not necessarily being like an expression of self but just not caring as much yeah so it's not like I'm I'm going home to Switzerland and wearing something that doesn't feel right it's just I'm putting way more thought into it that is like thinking about oh who am I going to run into what are they going to think of me that shows that you're more at ease 
with yourself here yeah because you just you know you yourself you don't have to make up this shell around you to show others what you are yeah that's yeah for sure but yeah. isn't it also funny how baggy clothes are masculine and mm-hmm. tight clothes are feminine yeah as if when you're hiding your body you're masculine yeah because if, like masculine more, more if, like, if we don't need to show shape yeah like if we can't see your like i don't know yeah but maybe it's just an androgynous but i feel like it's it's perceived as masculine and yeah. not neither yeah if it really is about the body as some people say then why isn't masculine also about like wearing clothes that show your body mm. it feels like yeah. it's such a unbalanced like womanhood is so much about your body yeah mm. it's so much more about your physicality i think but then again it isn't because you're less, you're more the emotional person, not the physical person, you know. Oh, yeah, but it's so weird. I, do we have time to... Mm. <laughs> I wanted to, because, I mean, of course, we we all consider ourselves women, but I kind of wanted to go into the into masculinity a bit more. And Because I was thinking, I think we disagreed on that. I was saying that I think it's harder for boys to not align with their perceived gender Mm. it's harder for boys to dress in pink whereas girls can be tomboyish yeah but that's just cool yes and it's very rare or growing up i don't remember a guy kind of crossing that border no and like the example i took from my childhood as well is quite Mm -hmm. apparent that yeah already at that age it's like okay no i can i can do this but i i can't go out other people can't see me like this that's so true yeah for me growing up i thought like i wanted to be a tomboy you almost felt like parents would accept it as well this parental acceptance of yeah oh her like yeah she's a tomboy she's cool and it was okay you know it wasn't yeah or she's like oh yeah she's playing with the boys there wasn't this element of shame that was like Mm. surrounded by it maybe when you're older as a woman like as a girl growing up then you feel shamed yeah for liking more like men yeah. type things mm. but when you're when you're really young and that's when like your your conception of like what's accepted what's not yeah. accepted develops like it's true that being a tomboy as a girl is more accepted than a guy like, and i would love to talk mm. to a guy about this yeah I, I don't think it's explored enough tell us please guys we'll have to do a follow-up with an, uh, in an, an <laughs> yeah. about the guy. because actually do i do remember an incident now um it was a good guy friend of mine in in kindergarten and he used to wear um his sister's clothes yeah so he came to kindergarten wearing pink high heart um socks like high knee socks yeah. with hearts the amount of shit he got that day for wearing kindergarten four years old and they're all they look they look the same like a child is a child oh, before man. it's like yeah puberty and that's, so true. that's so damaging as a child because i'm sure that's like a core memory for him it's a core memory for you like that would yeah. define his entire like childhood from that point like the amount of shame that was like inflicted on you as a child yeah. for for that and then you really associate it with being something bad and it was four-year-old children and you would think they aren't as brainwashed yet but we were yeah Mm. oh my god that makes me so sad no it's it's like humans are so keen to keep social structures yeah like as they are or like to uh enforce them because again it's the only way we can survive and it's, it's terrible to see that these things that are trivial that won't determine your survival are still so upheld. Mm. Mm. And what I also wonder is whether it's not only survival, but it's like 
threatening to us because as we said the way others perceive us and all of these social structures they make up such a hard part a, a big part of what we are and mm. what we perceive ourselves yeah. as so mm. what if there's people who don't adhere to those norms mm. do they like make us question our own self because we adhere to those norms you know mm. yeah but the whole thing of, of men i think yeah it follows them the entire life because like even for women when you're young like you can be a tomboy and then when you're older and you go into like a male woman it feels like girl boss mm-hmm. i think for a man but it, obviously it's really difficult for a woman to like break into those fields but, but i it, do feel like for a man to then want to go into something that is more like perceived objectively as fem- like in society as feminine then they, have just... to, they have to deal with all the shit of like all the other men yeah like behind them yeah. not necessarily being supportive or having all these like presumptions about them but also they're so much more celebrated when they are like when a guy's being sensitive or yeah, a guy's no, that's like true, that's a true, good dad yeah it's so celebrated as well mm. so but very pati- only that's very but particular like a, instances yeah. then it, like a male are they conflicted with yeah. sexuality as well then you're automatically gay for if you yeah. and that doesn't happen with women automatically. No, that's true. it's yeah. weird that that intersection i don't know yeah. why it comes in there let us know wow okay I'm a bit yeah but that felt like a nice discussion but it also feels like you should yeah bring in like men like yeah yeah we need more diversity more diversity yeah yeah Yeah, quite the mono like homogenous group here (laughs) (laughs) it's a good kind of like laying groundwork and then building on that yeah with different people and then seeing like what their experience was yeah I mean that's what we're all about like there's so many things that are mind-boggling that we need to like put time into talking about mm. and like trying to like tr- trying to understand which questions to ask yeah well let's just start we know we're there this is always how we feel at the end of the podcast <laughs> it's like okay so that was like an introduction now yeah. let's do the body of the essay that's so true this is kind of like the brainstorming yeah this really was the brainstorming yeah but that's kind of the point as well that you're like it feels like something is opened up and then you, you go yeah. through and you have all these other thoughts. Well, I hope whoever listens to this, maybe like mm-hmm. they can relate to anything. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not like we came to any answers here. It's just kind of like... No. Yeah. Oh, and that's not you the know. point. But, but uh, thank, thank you for listening, listening to the introduction. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to do the main part in your own time, please do and let us know what you conclude. We'll put up something up on Instagram so you can like brain dump on a story or something and we can see your answers and maybe maybe we'll take it up in another podcast. But thank you for being thank here. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> like, good luck editing that. Let's end this so we don't have more to edit. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. Bye.